Well, 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 welcome to the Purple Stuff Podcast. Starring Jay from the Sexy Armpit and Matt from Dinosaur Dracula. officially in summer right now matt is that true have we officially like by the laws of nature hit summer yeah i think anytime it's over 80 degrees and i am perspiring to the point where if you touch me your hand will be dripping with goo (laughs) (laughs) we're in the summer purple stuff podcast what episode are we on episode 30 oh my god it's the big 3-0 we're officially old 30 episodes 30 episodes and ushering us right into the summertime. Fireworks, fireflies, frankfurters. Pools. That's not an F word. (laughs) I'm obviously more of a fall guy, and I know you are too. Absolutely, yeah. But I do like summer a little bit Mm -hmm. in small doses. I really don't enjoy most things that are associated with summer, and a lot of people think I'm crazy because... I don't like the heat. I don't like sweating. I don't like the sun. I hate the sun. Uh, I hate sand. (laughs) Okay, Anakin. Yeah, and I don't like sunburn. Well, no, I hate those things too. Like, uh, sand is gross and fucking heat. I want to take the sun and I want to fucking kill it. I hate it. (laughs) Kill it with fire. Oh, that won't work. (laughs) Yeah, but the thing is, when else are you going to be able to go to boardwalks and ride the coasters and play the cranes and throw the basketballs into those trick hoops so you can win a giant bear (laughs) there's a lot of stuff to be said for the summer and we have a lot of great things that we do especially around the local area with the boardwalks and Mm -hmm. the amusement parks and everything like that the purple stuff podcast was born on a new jersey boardwalk in the summer Uh, it's what is seaside right it was seaside yeah so tonight on the purple stuff podcast episode 30 we're going to run through some of our summer memories, and it's going to bring everybody into that summer mindset. This is back when summer meant so much more. Two-month vacation. Oh, man. Dropping your school bag on the last day of school when you got in the front door, just being like, oh. It was, the, it was like the longest time off ever. Yeah. It's, can you imagine? Two months off from everything today? And now two months flies by with a snap of a finger. Yep. <laughs> so let's get into it. Who's starting? Who's starting? I think you should start. Okay, I'll start. All right. <laughs> Here we go with my first summer memory. Number one. So even by the time I was born, my family already had a pool in the backyard. Yeah. And it was a big draw when I was a little kid. But even by the time I was eight or nine, my brothers and my sisters, they were all either in college or married. I was the only one still around to use this thing. Uh Uh-huh. That worked out fine if I had friends over, but the pool just mostly sat there unused. So (laughs) I wasn't too surprised when my parents finally tore it down. Yeah. 
Now, some of our listeners might be wondering why I didn't use it more, even if I had to go in myself. <laughs> and I grew up thinking I was alone in this insanity, but many years online tells me differently. Mm-hmm. Every time I went into that pool alone, I felt like I was in there with fucking Jaws. <laughs> yeah. Every single time. <laughs> I say it and you kind of chuckle like, oh, that's just, you know, a kid's thing where they shrug it off after a second and move on. No. No. If I went underwater, I'd feel like that rush of fear, like, oh my God, it's here. <laughs> I totally relate. I know exactly where you're at with this. I'm glad. And I want to know if you're still with me after this. Okay. So obviously I knew that there was no way it was a legit regular shark. So I would think it was more like some like dark god using his scary powers to summon a ghost shark to materialize. So it wasn't just a shark. It was like a demon shark. A a demon or ghost shark. Right, right, right. right. I mean, are you with me on that? (laughs) No. (laughs) But continue, please. (sighs) I always felt like I was blessed because when I grew up, I had an in-ground pool with a diving board. It was was this giant pool. And all my friends were so like, oh, man, I love your pool. Oh, wow. You were one of the, the rich kids from the right side of the tracks, eh? It felt like I was. But there was a deep end and a low end, right? So every mm-hmm. summer I would go on kicks where I'd watch all the Jaws movies for like a week straight yep. and then terrify myself into thinking that I could go into the pool without having any fears, you know? <laughs> so we had a, the filter set up and it would like drain out into the street. Yeah. Uh, so I always felt like, well, hey, if this whole thing is interconnected, it's totally possible that a shark could somehow get through the sewer up into the filter and then into the pool. Uh, you know, I was I was using a little shark, but yeah, okay. Yeah, I was using like a scientific kind of uh, rationalization here, you know. So there was always a moment in the middle of the day, especially on a gray day in the summer, and it was very calm. And I'd be in the low end of the pool, and the water would be up to like the middle of my chest, and it would be so serene. And that's when the dread would overcome me, <laughs> and I thought. That there would be a fin popping out of nowhere. <laughs> it's it's so ridiculous, but at the same time, it's you really couldn't ignore it. Yeah. Now I haven't been in a pool in quite some time. I wonder if either of us would still have this fear. I, I don't think so, but I wonder if kids nowadays still have that. I'm sure they do because they didn't grow up with Jaws. I mean, they grew up with Sharknado, not Jaws. So they feel it when there's like a fucking hurricane or there's whatever. Hurricane. Yeah, there's a storm coming, Annie. <laughs> there's a storm coming. Yeah. <laughs> It's amazing how the world changes as it grows older. Like now, kids who have irrational fears of sharks associate them with hurricanes instead of swimming pools. Yeah. That's that's something to chew on. (laughs) Number two. Do you remember these things called swimmies, Matt? Like the neon Popeye muscles. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great way to describe them. So there are these small inflatable little tube things that you would slip onto your arms when you were a little kid, and they would help you float around in a pool. Yeah. Some people called them uh, like water wings, but like I grew up and everyone called them swimmies. These ones that we had at our house weren't made by like Body Glove or Whammo. The ones that I had were Burger King swimmies. Burger King swimmies? Burger King had swimmies? (laughs) Yeah. So. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I had these swimmies, right? And it had a Whopper on it, right? Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. Where did you get a fucking Burger King water wing? Well, that's what I'm trying to get at. I don't really remember, but there was a giant Whopper on it, and it said Home of the Whopper. It's such a weird thing to even try to recall this memory, but I love them. I remember loving them so much that I wore them like way longer than I needed to wear these things into the pool because I was able to swim since I was like a toddler. Yeah, but I understand your dilemma because you could either prove that or you could continue advertising the Whopper while swimming in the pool. (laughs) (laughs) So there was a lot of weird things about these swimmies though. Like the corners of them were super sharp, right? And they would like, chafe my underarm region yes and plus like when you're in a pool all that shit is just rife for mm-hmm. damage yeah so when you got like pricked by anything mm-hmm. immediate blood then that fucking shark i was talking about <laughs> yeah. comes and gets you <laughs> yeah so but either way with all this stuff that we're saying i still wore them i loved wearing them and we had all kinds of different pairs of swimmies because if kids in the family came over or, you know, neighbors or whatever, every kid was wearing these swimmies back in the early 80s, right? Right. So anyway, kids would come over and they'd be like looking at the swimmies we had. And I'm like, no way, GTFO, you cannot wear my signature Whopper <laughs> swimmies. House rules. Who knew that Burger King once had a line of like inflatable pool products. The only thing I could think of is that they must have had their version of the Happy Meal back then where... Right. Did you wear these as a kid or no? No, I mean, I was the last in my family. So by that point, my parents were just like, you know, give him a tire. It'll mm-hmm. do well enough. <laughs> I'm like, that. give him that old tire from that 1977 Pinto. <laughs> It'll throw it. <laughs> the thing with these swimmies is that you couldn't do anything underwater, right? If you were with a girl and she wanted to have an underwater tea party, you were fucked. It's like you'd be floating right back up when she's trying to have the tea party with you, you know? I can't say that particular situation has ever occurred for me. (laughs) But, yeah, I'm with you. (laughs) Now, this is the real test because I've been in similar situations. If you really loved it as much as you say you did, Mm -hmm. you must have also worn it when you weren't swimming. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I used to wear them all around the, the house. Right, right. They'd yeah. be like fashion accessories. Well, because you know what? You were preparing to go in the pool, right? So oh, preparing well, for like five hours. And you sometimes you kind of had to promote the fact that you wanted to go in the pool because if your parents weren't like in the mood to go right, out in the right. backyard. You know, so it's like I'd be having them on. I'm ready to go in. Yeah. You know, so Flex, yeah. I would... Flexing for your mom and saying hint, hint. <laughs> <laughs> but I used to, there was this weird like ritual though with the swimmies and I, I I don't know if anyone can relate to this. You had to like wet the inside of the swimming to like slip it onto your arm. Well, I mean, if you're wearing the fucking swimmies when you're 15, Jay, yeah, you do. <laughs> Number three. On those occasions when you need to make a big splash, there's the Super Soaker 100. It has a powerful air pressure system. Oh, Buffy! A range of up to 60 feet. And a drenching spray. The Super Soaker 100. It's a water gun of a higher caliber. So my next summer memory is all about Super Soakers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember if this was uh, 91 or 92, but it was whatever year that the Super Soaker really broke big. Mm -hmm. Every kid had to have one. Yeah. You did as well, I'm sure. 
Oh, this, yeah, the huge, huge thing with yeah. the super soakers. Oh, yeah, definitely. So obviously we'd all been having water gun fights for our, our whole lives. Mm -hmm. And even before super soakers, there were some pretty intense ones. Mm -hmm. But those things were a fucking game changer. Yeah. It was like the first time that water guns had any sort of like cool factor. Yeah. They backed up their hype by working like motherfucking hoses. These were a giant jump in the evolution of water warfare. Right, they were the Phoenix Jean Grey of, of water guns. Yeah, it's like they're basically semi-automatic water weapons. When it got popular there for that quick minute, the new thing to do in the neighborhood was to just like have all the neighborhood kids having super soaker battles. Mm. Like, could you imagine now like every kid out in the street really having a water gun fight? <laughs> like it was ever gonna be that cool? <laughs> It actually sometimes stung your skin when you. Oh, Yo, those by... things! Yeah, those yeah. things didn't fuck around. Like, <laughs> yeah. if you hit somebody in the eye, and let's face it, every kid tried to hit the other kid in the eye. Yeah, like, it hurt. Yeah. So, like, you had a vested interest in winning. What you compared it to earlier, before the Super Soaker came out, I, I mean, there's no exaggeration here. Super Soakers was a giant jump. Yeah. Because if you went to like the local store and you bought a stupid water gun before those Super Soakers ever even hit the market, mm -hmm. you were getting, you that know, pretty, pretty dime much. Dime store plastic bullshit. Right. It was like a handgun. Right. With a, like a really weak stream. And that horrible like water stopper that didn't work. So the mm -hmm. water would just be pouring out the second you filled it. It was always leaking. Yeah. It always was, leaking. Like, it was a weak stream, two squirts, and that was it. And you know what? You wound wah, up. Wah. <laughs> you wind up. You literally wound up using them as, like, drinking apparatuses. Oh, God, you're so right, because I got to fucking tell you, water tasted so good coming out of a plastic water gun. I don't know what it was, but it's true. It was like hose water times five. We have to drink tequila out of a oh, water gun this summer. God. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm totally with you, though. I just love that they just got crazier and crazier with, like, you know, ammunition and different kinds of, like, connections to the guns. Right. Cannons. Remember they got the, they had that big cannon that came out? Like, where you had the backpack and shit? Oh, the backpack was something oh, else. It was man. like their fucking uh, real Ghostbusters proton back, only it was full of water. It was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was actually the first kid in my neighborhood to get the Super Soaker 100. Which was that big blue big gun one. with a huge reservoir. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I like how you say that. You say Reservoir. Like you're, like you're French. Yeah. It was that big blue gun with a huge water reservoir. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how well the 100 holds up by today's standards, but back then you were like the Terminator. Yeah. It was like the only time in my life where kids would be picking teams and I wouldn't be the last one picked. Yeah. Because I had the 100. It was huge. It was huge. Mm -hmm. Sorry, don't let me disturb your drinking over there. Oh, I'm sorry. You heard that? <laughs> Number four. Before my obsession with WWF superstar ice cream bars mm. there were character ice cream bars you mean the ones with like the gumball eyes and shit right right exactly so when i would go to the ice cream man you know he's rolling up in his truck this is like several years before the wwf ice cream bars came out so and this is like 84 85 yeah, when i was like a real little sexy armpit right it was like you know <laughs> sounds so gross <laughs> So I would get all the time this guy called Bubble O Bill. Yeah! 
Oh, Bubble Bill, he's he's a uh, he he be famous in the ice cream circle. Yeah. <laughs> Bubble Bill gave you more bang for your buck because he gave you a bubblegum nose, okay? Oh, yeah. The, the selling point with that is like you get ice cream and bubblegum at the same time. So for reference, Bubble Bill looked like he could have been a villain in the penny shorts on Pee-wee's Playhouse. Totally did. <laughs> As the lore has it though, uh Bubble Bill was a cowboy named Bill Schwartz. And during the gold rush, he was hoping to strike gold, but he wound up discovering a shitload of bubblegum instead. And then he started using it as collateral and poker games at the saloon. Wait a and minute, it, is this old canon? Yeah, and then at one time, he blew a bubble while they were playing cards so big that another cowboy shot it. The bubble exploded all over everyone at the table. And from that day forward, they called him Bubble Bill. Yeah, I'm looking at him right now, man. He looks like a fucking, looks almost like uh, insectoid. What I think is interesting is that Bubble Bill was first introduced in 85 in New Jersey by the company Good Humor. Was that true? Yeah. But anyway, he was just one of the many because that introduced Fat Frog. And Fat, Fat Frog, I think, is much more famous. Yeah, Fat Frog was one of my all-time favorites. And anyway, these set off a long string of character ice cream bars, including Powerpuff Girls, Batman, Hulk. Sonic, Bugs Bunny, SpongeBob. I mean, you name it. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They all had it. They all had it. And they Super all, Mario. Yeah, Super Mario had a famous one. He had the bubblegum nose. Right. And like the gumballs were never in the spots that they advertised. Yeah. Like never. Like you'd buy the Super Mario and he'd look like toxic guy from Robocop. Yeah. His face melting and the gumballs just like hanging off his neck. Yeah, like Fat Frog had like M&M's as eyes and they were like, yeah, they were all like lopsided. And right. Looked- it looked like he was smashed. And they never tasted nearly as good as, like, the regular stuff from an ice cream truck, but who could resist? It sounded like you didn't actually catch it, but I totally made up the lore behind Bubble Bill, and I don't think... You made all that shit up? <laughs> yeah. What the fuck is the point? Who does shit like that? <laughs> who does that? Boy, in your spare time, you don't come up with lore for ice cream bars? Who's, who spins a yarn about Bubble Bill on a podcast? <laughs> Well, if they so choose, they could really incorporate that into his history. You know, I, my mind trailed off after you told that story because I'm picturing the adventures of Wild Bubble Bill <laughs> in like a sort of animated series where he gets himself into trouble at the saloon and bubblegum explodes on his face. Number five. All throughout elementary school, my two closest friends were in Little League. And I'm sure this will come as no great shock to you, but I was not. (laughs) (laughs) But I went to their games all the time because all of our mothers were friends and going to Little League games was just an easy night out for everyone. Mm. It's like you drive less than five miles, you spend less than $5. Perfect. Yeah. So we'd be sitting there in the bleachers and I'd be completely bored and completely awkward. I was the only kid of that age not on the field. (laughs) So I'm, like, surrounded by every other player's, like, little brothers and, like, little sisters and parents. It's like, I might as well be sitting there with a suck at everything written on my shirt. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, I'm sorry. I'm yeah, so sorry. but I still I like would never turn down the opportunity to go to those games, and it's all because of the Snack Shack. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, Snack Shack. <laughs> I don't know how many of our listeners have been to a Little League game, but there's usually a little tiny trailer-shaped stand selling nachos and hot dogs. <laughs> yeah. And around here, though, the Snack Shacks were like. They were like seven fucking elevens. You get slush puppies, every candy. Like sometimes they even had trading cards. So like my friends will be on the field burning off calories and I'd be in a corner just packing them on. Like I would buy, I'd get my mother's keys, buy as much junk food as I could carry and just like eat it in the car really quickly. <laughs> like just shoveling Snickers down my throat like I'm a fucking pelican. <laughs> And then I go back to the bleachers when I was done, like, you know, waddling, doing my big Wait, duck waddle. Snickers eating pelican. Wait, yeah, pelican you know, I just like, Snickers. I basically like would put one end of the Snickers into my mouth and just slam it back with my other hand. Like a snake. <laughs> yeah. Like how, how a snake would eat it, they just put the whole thing. Right, right. It was as much food as I can get in a five minute period. Because I didn't want anyone to know I was doing this. Yeah. So I like play it off like I was going to the bathroom or something. And it's like... <laughs> So then I go back after I was done with all this, like chocolate covered face and all that. And my friends would finish. They'd come off the field looking all like cool and hip in their uniforms <laughs> and slapping five with all the scary kids from school. And I'd be just like off to the side with like uh, the remnants of a fun dip package. Just like such a beautiful microcosm of my entire disgusting life. <laughs> so what you're saying is you won, basically. <laughs> yeah, I won. I won. <laughs> you had fun dip. They didn't. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, I was one of the unfortunate kids who had to play Little League for a couple of years before I begged my mom to remove me from Little League because WWF some... oh, Superstars was on every Saturday <laughs> right. morning. <laughs> you, uh, yeah. You playing baseball is such a contrary to you kind of thing. Yeah. But at least it had a more J-fitting ending. I can't play anymore because I have to watch wrestling. The funny part about it, though, is that is a story I tell people. But it's 100% true because I dabbled in sports when I was a little kid. I didn't enjoy it at all. I actually despised every moment of it. I hated being in baseball, but I was in Little League. I would play like the outfield. Like, oh, yeah, sure. Stick Jay in the outfield. He can't catch. He could barely see. He used to have to wear glasses. So he'd look up in the sky at the sun and his eyes would be blinded and the ball would be coming out of him. He didn't know what to do. <laughs> well, I would have ran personally. Yeah, it was terrible. But the snack shack. We had a discussion on a recent episode about the Roy Rogers thing, and Roy Rogers is back in our area. Yes, it is. So I, I drove there one day after work recently, and I just, I'm like, I got to try this again to see what all the fuss is about, because there's like an hour wait to get in there. Yeah. So I picked up a cheeseburger. I'm eating this thing. I'm like, the first thing I thought of, Snack Shack from a Little League game. I'm not kidding you. It, it tastes like that. It, tastes so exactly it, sat, it like tasted that. like the burgers you get from the snack shack. Yes, it tastes totally like that. And it brought me back to where I used to play Little League, right, in town. Yeah, but, I mean, if you played, you only saw it in, like, I mean, you got the impression. But imagine spending two hours yeah. going back and forth to it. Well, you know what it was? It was more of a treat because at the end of the game, you know, even though I probably did, like, a quarter of the work that everybody else did in the games. Yeah. I was, like, sweating profusely. Unfortunately, I was probably sweating just as much despite not having played at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, eating these foods is just a lot of work. Number six. I have.
have it, the number one video on the top 100 MTV videos of all time. Countdown from 100 to number one. Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band with Born in the USA. That album came out in the summer of 1984. And two years later, it has now sold over 10 million copies, and it's still on the chart. My next summer memory is the top 100 MTV countdown of all time. Do you mm. remember this? Do you remember these countdowns, Matt? Yeah, I mean, did they play like in the, the mid-90s? Because I definitely do if so. You know, they did them all throughout like the, the mid to late 80s and even the early 90s. I don't know beyond that. I think I stopped watching MTV like after 1992. Yeah. I will say that for me, it was one of those things that reminded me of Summers. And it might sound weird to some people because you're like, what? why does he associate this with summer? Because it is not the quintessential summer thing. I'm not talking about a beach or whatever, you know. But to me, this was something that I literally spazzed out for when they announced that it would be happening. Because you know how crazy I am about, like, music and MTV and things like that. Right. So these were these weekend-long extravaganzas where MTV would count down the top 100 videos of all time. It would take, like, almost three days. It would be, like, two and a half days, uh, starting, like, usually on, like, late Friday, Saturday, into Sunday. Yeah. And it was another excuse for me to stay inside in the air conditioning when it was sunny and beautiful outside. Right. You know? And so I used to sit contently and watch and wait for those rare videos that hadn't been played in years. And sometimes you'd see little clips here and there of a video, you know, in an MTV promo. And I remember thinking, man, I haven't seen that video in years. Because there was, like, videos they would stop showing for a long time. Right. And if they stopped showing them, there was no way to see them anywhere. Right, there was no YouTube or anything. Right, right. You just look it up. So this was the chance to see them all because they had the time and they didn't have to stick to the rotation of the popular stuff. So it was that time where you got to see these crazy ones from like five years before. So you'd see like old hip hop videos and old hairband videos. And it was really nostalgic for me. And it was weird because I was like nine and I was already being nostalgic for like three years previous. Yeah. So I sat at the VCR with a tape in there on pause in record mode. And then I would like hit pause anytime like a good one came on that I hadn't seen in a while. And I would I would just record it. I'd have like an, one of those long eight hour EP uh, videos, yeah. <laughs> but I'd stay at the TV all day. And, you know, my friends and neighbors would come up and knock on the door and they'd be like, do you want to come and play kickball? And I'd be like, no, sorry, I'm watching the top 100. <laughs> yeah. It kind of like yeah. bought you the excuse to do absolutely nothing for three days. Yeah, I'd be like, suit yourself, you unrefined asshole. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, it's like as much as it, yeah, maybe made you miss some things about the summer, it was something solid that you could do for three days of the yeah. summer. It's like for at least three days, you don't have to worry about if you were going to be bored or whatever. I would watch like 48 hours straight of MTV in a row, and when it was time to fall asleep on the couch at 1 a.m., pop that tape in and record the rest of it until I woke up. Yeah. That's how I was I was insane. I was literally insane with that. But I wanted my MTV. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, if I remember correctly in the mid 90s they still did do these and I would watch them trying to see if they were going to put uh Nirvana Smells Like Teen Spirit number 1 right, over right. Thriller. Yeah. Because they sometimes did do that after Kurt Cobain died. Yeah, yeah. What did they have as number 1 back when you were watching it? It was almost always Thriller. I mean, I, I guess it would have to be. I think early on, before Thriller started to win, I'm pretty sure Bruce Springsteen won a couple of times. Okay. But I wish I can get a list, you know, to, to, to well, get Well, I'm a... sure it's out there. I'm sure somebody will send it to us and say, why don't you two Google, you fucking dumb twits? <laughs> it's right here.
I used to just love watching Martha Quinn tell me what the number one video of all time was. God, the VJ era. I forgot all uh, about that. The VJ era is so close to my heart. It's it's horror hosts and VJs to me are the icons. That, I yeah. mean, that's a similar I, idea. Yeah, similar idea. But I mean, you're never going to be able to experience that again. It, it, and that was the era we grew up in. Yeah, totally. You almost felt like you knew them. Well, it always felt like, and I think in some cases they actually did do this, like they just sort of picked up people at random bars across the eastern seaboard <laughs> probably yeah, yeah. You're right. you know you, you got the look yeah you're hired. well i mean i could tell you like actually one of my sisters was asked to be one. Oh, really yeah and she's like uh oh, no at least that's the story she told she could have completely made it up <laughs> was it the same one that drank the ecto cooler <laughs> yeah but this was before she went insane from the rancid ecto cooler <laughs> turn it on leave it on i'm out I want my MTV. All right. I want my MTV. Number seven. My next summer memory is all about playing Manhunt. Super intense and giant version of Tag, usually played at night. Totally have great memories of that. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of our listeners do, but there were like a hundred variations of that game. So I'm mm -hmm. going to explain how ours worked. Mm -hmm. We'd wait for nighttime and then we'd split into teams. And we only ever played Manhunt if we had a lot of kids. Yeah. So already there was that sense of danger because if I was playing Manhunt, it meant that like these like, older meaner neighborhood kids were also playing manhunt mm -hmm. and it was like a little you know dangerous a little dangerous yeah <laughs> and what separated manhunt from normal tag was just its scope the boundaries were immense we would pick like these huge slices of woods to play in mm -hmm. but it wouldn't be like the normal woods from up the street it'd be like the one that the train went through that you were never supposed to go to i can't see where you're coming from though because whenever we played manhunt it was always in like suburban areas you know meaning like not so much like where we would go into woods but it would be like in neighborhoods and stuff and inevitably somebody's parents would be calling the cops. You know, there would always be something crazy going on. Oh, yeah, we've done that version, too. I mean, the woods would be part of it, but you could also hide in the neighborhood. And you're right. You would hide in total strangers' backyards. Yeah. You would, like, try to climb under people's cars. Right. It, but, it, like, it just total menaces. It felt like running man. <laughs> totally. Like, my comparison was Judgment Night. Yeah. Like, because we had all these big kids chasing us. And if they found you, they didn't just, like, tap you on the shoulder. Well, oh, yes. They'd punch yeah. you in the fucking stomach. But like, that's what I was, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Because inevitably, somebody grabbed somebody too hard or they got pushed and somebody got scared. And then, like, the shit would hit the fan. You were never playing that game again. Like, everybody was like, no, you're going inside. That's it. It's over. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I don't know. In retrospect, crouching in one spot for two hours, it's really not that much fun. <laughs> like you were saying, people going into like backyards and whatnot. What's weird about it is that there was always like a bunch of hooligans on people's lawns, but I would be one of the hooligans and I'd be like, listen, dude, don't go on their lawn. Like he's serious about his lawn care. You yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> I would be all like nervous. Yeah. But the thing was, you weren't wrong because there were those like usually old men in the neighborhood that would flip the fuck out if you step foot on their property right they were waiting by the window to see if you touched their lawn yeah and the second you did they were running out with a broom 
<laughs> it was like, like Paperboy. There was actually yeah. obstacles in Manhunt. Like, these were, like, part of the game, these old men. <laughs> I mean, you and I could recall when we used to play this in the middle of the summer. Sometimes in the middle of the summer, I'll go and take a walk around the neighborhood, and I'll, I'll just walk for, like, two, three miles. And I, I don't see anybody playing Manhunt. Well, I mean, if you were a parent, I mean, I don't know if I would let my kid play Manhunt. And if I was a kid today, why am I going to play Manhunt when I have an iPhone? <laughs> yeah, you could do dirty things on an iPhone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If I was 15 with an iPhone, I don't know what would happen. I probably well, would you'd probably be suspended by I'd now, that's be for sure. Jail. Yeah. Expelled at least. <laughs> Can we try him as an adult? <laughs> Good times. Good times. Maybe we should get a game together. You want to get a game together this weekend? <laughs> I only if we can institute a rule that you could only walk. <laughs> no running. There's no running in Manhunt. <laughs> Number eight. The new World Wrestling Federation magazine is now on sale. Read about Cindy Lauper managing Wendy Richter to the top of the charts. The Ugandan giant Kamala is big game hunting in the WWF. Andre goes to Hollywood with actor Dudley Moore to make the film Mickey and Maude. Olympic strongman Ken Patera powers his way back to the World Wrestling Federation. Minnesota's Twin Cities welcomes Hulk Hogan with open arms. All this and more in the official World Wrestling Federation magazine on sale this Tuesday at your local newsstand. My next summer memory has to do with a surprise gift. <gasps> so, to preface this story... Uh, my sister and I were friends with a pair of sisters who lived in the neighborhood. Uh, one was my sister's age, and the other was my age. And our parents were friends, and we would go over there sometimes. So one blazing hot summer day, back in the summer of 1988, we were hanging out in their backyard. And uh, Stephanie, the girl who was my age, she was in the pool, and I was in the sandbox. Now, let me tell you, like I said, I hate sand, right? Yeah. But what was weird about it is that I didn't have a sandbox. So this was like this. I was like, what is this? I didn't understand why someone would <laughs> What's have a... this oversized Zen garden doing in this girl's backyard? <laughs> so I what didn't alien under... fun is this? It sounds like a cliche, like a kid was in a sandbox, but I had no idea what it was. And I would... I wouldn't go in it. Like I'd put my feet in it, and that was it. Like I, I wouldn't touching play... it and running away for a second to see if it got you. I just sat in the sandbox with my feet in the sand. I wasn't allowed to go in the pool because my mother was going to pick us up like pretty soon, right? So we yeah. were waiting around, right? You're soaking wet. You <laughs> knew you were going to be in the car. <laughs> so sitting there in the sandbox, and I they have like you know the beach bucket with the beach shovel, and I'm yeah, like all those that boring shit that seems so great in the moment. Yeah, I'm like all like angrily like shoveling the sand around, just waiting around. <laughs> My sister's like, okay, we're going to go ride our bikes. I'm like, son of a bitch, right? So maybe 15, 20 minutes later, she comes rolling back. She's got a bag in her hand. Yeah. Inside the bag, I open it up. She said, this is for you. I open it up, and it's the July 1988 WWF magazine. Oh, that was a big issue. And I was not expecting this. She didn't tell me, like, oh, I'm going to pick you up a magazine. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's a weird thing to do. So I used to have a subscription to the WWF magazine for years. But right at this point in the summer, my mother hadn't sent the renewal card in. Oh, man, big mistake, Ma. Yeah, so I was in the middle, and Macho Man had just... You know, yeah, he, that's why I, I remember this issue, because <laughs> yeah. it's the one with him with the belt on the cover. Yeah, like, his 
photo on the, Macho Man Randy Savage on the front of the magazine. Yep. And also in the magazine, someone. Oh, you don't have to play coy with me on this one. Because <laughs> there's another reason why I remember this particular issue. <laughs> someone is cutting so, someone's something. <laughs> cutting his way through a five-page spread. <laughs> it's gotta be. It's gotta be. Let me ask you, so I know that your subscription had lapsed. Yeah. Is the reason that your sister knew to go get you this magazine because you were being such a brat about that? Honestly, you hit the nail on the head. For like a week, I was like the worst to deal with. I was terrible. Yeah. But I kind of have a feeling that my mother probably coerced her to do something like this to try to appease me because I was terrible. I was sitting like a little morose motherfucker in a sandbox. I didn't even want to do anything with anybody because I was so angry. Listen, I can explain it. If you have a kid who's obsessive compulsive, don't go breaking the links in his cane. (laughs) she gave me this thing all was better in the universe i and the fact that i still remember getting this stupid magazine <laughs> like give you mom yeah <laughs> and then you know later on that night we went to steak and ale and it was like the most phenomenal thing ever so a macho man magazine and steak and ale on the same day that's summer yeah <laughs> oh yeah number nine So my last summer memory is something I think everyone can relate to. It's that idea that when you're a kid, summertime is the chance to go out and just catch a new pet. Like whether it's a lightning bug or a fucking praying mantis. Yeah. Just grab it and throw it in a mason jar and just (laughs) let nature take its course. (laughs) So for us, there was uh, one summer where everything just revolved around catching frogs. Yeah. And we lived near a pond and we could theoretically catch one there. But right across the street from me, there was like a whole frog squad just hanging out on a sewer grate at all times. Uh-huh. So as disgusting as it sounds, me and my friends used to just like dive at the sewer grate trying to grab frogs before they could <laughs> jump back into the sewage. Yeah. Yeah, it's completely disgusting. But one year I actually managed to catch one doing this. <laughs> and it was probably like the third or the fourth grade. Yeah. And it took 500 tries over the course of one month. But I was so happy. I finally had a cute little frog. <laughs> I named him Frogger. And I couldn't wait to spend the next 20 years teaching him dog tricks and preparing him tiny bowls of chow. (laughs) And so I took Frogger home and put him in this little wire cage that I had previously used for a hermit crab. Yeah. I'm so happy. I got Frogger. He's in a cage. I'm set. I put the cage on my nightstand and I go to sleep. (laughs) The next morning I wake up, I look at Frogger and I'm horrified. That poor frog had literally dried to death. Oh, God. I did not realize that water was not so much a frog's preference as a requirement. <laughs> and the frog looked like petrified wood. Oh, oh man. God. He felt so guilty. Like, oh. I actually buried him in our backyard and then spent, like, the next few days acting like, like not like I lost a frog, but like I lost a child. <laughs> 
a few nights later, I'm crying in bed, and my mother comes to console me. And I don't want to tell her that I'm still upset about it, so I'm just, like, getting even more worked up. Like, I'm choking on my words, and I'm so red-faced. And finally, I just blurt out, I miss Frogger! <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. That last, is... <laughs> last frog I ever caught, and I treated all of my future pets much more carefully. <laughs> Number 10. My next summer memory might be my most interesting one, Matt. Ooh. And this one I like to call my summer stakeout. <laughs> oh boy yeah your summer stakeout huh yeah okay. so some kids just aren't any good at occupying themselves and it's funny because we we kind of been touching on this almost the whole show on like what did you do in the summer so here's one summer that my friend his brother and myself we're inseparable like our whole childhood and uh we lived at each other's houses basically we had so many things that we did where we were never bored one summer, we got caught up in a sort of stakeout situation. Okay. Yeah. So we were eating dinner at his house one night. Were you having steak? <laughs> his parents and him were telling me that they'd been noticing a lot of weird stuff going on with the people who lived in the house behind them. So there was this guy who lived there, kind of like a middle-aged guy. You mean like me or? <laughs> no, like maybe like 40s. Okay. And he was always very like, mysterious this guy no one really knew anything about him but apparently there was some really off the wall stuff that was going on with him and there was facts that were brought to us by not only my friend's parents but neighbors that lived around this development okay but we had the most insane imaginations so that whole summer like the burbs the movie the burbs yeah yeah, it hit VHS, so we were watching that on loop. And, you know, I'm not saying that that's what kind of spurred on our uh, imaginations, but I'm sure it had something to do with it. Right. So it was highly possible that we were taking what his parents were saying and my parents were saying that and turning it into something bigger. But what did you think he did? Or what, well, you, what was the rumor? We thought this guy was a murderer. Okay. Yeah, we found a huge knife on the side of his house uh, on the ground, right? That was really what tipped us off at first. So we thought, okay, you know what? Let's try to be fair here. He could be a taxidermist. <laughs> you know, he, 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 I'm you sure know. you didn't know the actual word back then. He I, could yeah. be a deer head wall guy. <laughs> but like, yeah, like that would have made him more of a Norman Bates if he was a taxidermist. But we're like, this dude's chopping people up in his basement. Yeah, well, you're you know? probably also doing like the Buffalo Bill thing from Silence of the Lambs. Right, yeah, we were like, we're like, that's it. This guy is totally a murderer. But, yeah. And I'm going to say that each night, we'd be covertly scaling the fence with binoculars and hiding in the bushes waiting for this guy and his weird family to come out. Wait, who, who did he live with? He lived with, like, his mother and, like, I, I don't know if it was, like, a sister. We had a 24-7 thing going on. I'd call my friend to get updates when I wasn't at his house. I'd be like, what's going on? Anything happening? Oh, this poor yeah. guy. Yeah, and, like, I'd be like, I should probably come over tonight. We'll investigate, you know? And, like... We'd have sleepovers for days on end investigating this guy and like taking shifts, trying to keep awake and drinking soda and everything. Yeah. And 
then other days, if I knew my friend was out, I'd ride my bike past this creepy house, you know, and they didn't take care of their house. The, the bushes were overgrown, and it was like a haunted house, we thought. Right. Finally, we did see the guy in the basement through the window, and we were spying on this guy, right? <laughs> this is completely ridiculous. <laughs> we're on the fence looking through this guy's basement window <laughs> and seeing him what we thought was him preparing bags of cocaine in between sampling it right okay he could have been making snow for his dickens village that was a few months away who the <laughs> fuck knows you know <laughs> but nothing beats that summer for me because we thought that we were onto something we, we were like oh let's get oh man i'm just this poor <laughs> i'm just like thinking this poor man did he, he must have known you were watching him oh my god there was times where, yeah we're staring through his basement window with binoculars yeah you know we're like 10 years old you gotta i mean i'm sure he wasn't <laughs> amused by it but no he he probably hated us but it was like nothing beats that summer for me because <laughs> it was such an incredible time because we thought we were onto something it was like a scooby-doo episode yeah, we, we really thought we have solved the mystery of the century. Who lives in that haunted house, you know? <laughs> so were you planning to have him incarcerated for being a coke dealer or? Toward the end of the summer, we were on the verge, and, I, and I'm not kidding, we were on the verge of going to the police, like without even telling our parents. And we finally talked ourselves out of it because like, we can't do this without telling our parents we're going to do it. We're going to get in big trouble. Yeah. So that was it. We, we, we shit canned it. Oh my God. Like you can't do that when you're in your 30s or 40s. Well, actually you can't even do it if you're 12 now. <laughs> <laughs> that's something unique to the era that we grew up that we really could, you could was, possibly yeah. get away with stalking somebody yeah and following a false police report that they're a cocaine dealer but when you're 10 and you're scaling a fence with binoculars oh my god you're, you're hiding in bushes in someone's property like nobody cares when you're 10 in 1988 yeah that's true <laughs> oh jesus What are you looking forward to this summer? Well, that's the sad thing that we were talking about in the intro. The summer doesn't really change much for old people like us. Hey, let's get a sparkler and have a Italian ice. And like, no, let me just sit inside <laughs> yeah, and watch. That, is that movie. what people are doing nowadays? <laughs> Getting sparklers and having Italian ice. Okay. And barbecue. You yeah. Know, like, I just want to sit inside and watch a movie. <laughs> yeah, that's all I want to do now. But it's especially great in the summer when you have. The air conditioner right above your head. Yeah, because who the hell wants to get bit by mosquitoes and all that crap? No. The funny thing is, I used to get bit back then, but now I'm so toxic that they've learned to stay away. They don't want to bite you. Yeah, like they've like actually like have conversed with each other and made me off limits. Like, no, fuck that guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's bad. Yeah, he's got stuff in him that'll kill us. <laughs> oh, man. Well, this has been the Purple Stuff Podcast, episode 30. Sure has. As we roll into summer 2016, and I, for one, cannot wait until the summer's over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I feel like I've already had my fill, and I don't even know if it's technically begun yet. Where's fall? Bring me the fall. Well, fortunately for us, fall starts in about a week anyway. I cannot wait, yeah. Happy Halloween, everyone. <laughs>
and you are listening to the Purple Purple Stuff Podcast. <laughs>